All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Reardon Report. I'm Hank Reardon, fulfillment journalist with Conk.News. Wednesday, November, I almost said October, November 2nd, 2022. Tim Conway is running the big board, and I'm pleased to say we have Jennifer Oliver O'Connell back with us from sunny California. If it is sunny. Yeah, if it's sunny. It is sunny today, yeah. Beautiful. Thanks for having me again, Hank. Yeah, looking for. I've been when we uh, were done last week. Um, I'm like, this will be a good time. It, it's it's uh, we're a week out from the midterms, um, and I uh, from what I've read about you, Jennifer, I'm assuming you've had the conservative bug for a while. I don't know if that was a, if you transitioned from uh, one party to another. Um, or if you've always had that bug, how did you catch the conservative bug? Uh, well, I was definitely never registered Democrat, for sure. <laughs> I grew up in Chicago, and the politics there are just as interesting as the politics in California. Um, and I never bought the, you know, the, the, their Democrat Party line is about as bad as the one out here where you know, you're a victim, we're be- you're beholden to us, uh, keep voting for us, and we'll keep you supplied in free government cheese and entitlements for the rest of your life. <laughs> right, 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 perfect. And, okay. Good. Yeah, so, yep. so yeah, I, I did not b- bother with that. I won't say there weren't times that I might have voted for a Democratic candidate every so often because it's Chicago, hello. Uh, but I w- refused to be aligned with the party. And really, in my younger years, I would have called myself a moderate and moved closer to, you know, sort of staunch conservatism as I got older. That comes with having more money and seeing more of it fritted away to the system, I I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, really, when you start, I mean, some people start younger, good for them. But when you start earning exactly earning your own money or trying to focus in on pursuing your freedoms. You realize, you know, who are the ones actually letting you pursue those freedoms and who are the ones constantly trying to restrict it. And so, you know, from the perspective of freedom and civil liberties and constitutional liberties, it's like the Democrat party is not the place to be. Correct. Especially in these days. Yep. Right. And, 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 you know, and again, for me, it was, um, more, my dad worked for the phone company, started learning how to hang telephone poles and lines over in Germany when he joined the army. Um, and then came back and continued to do it, moved up through that into, you know, low middle management within the phone company, um, but hung around with a lot of entrepreneurs, friends, and relatives. So there was just that always that conversation around the table of um, if you're if you're really responsible for yourself, you can blame the system and the people sitting around the table. But in the end, you either made good decisions or bad decisions, and you made and you took the, that direction, and you either improved it or changed. Um, and so that, that's why I want to, want to talk today about, um, people, you know, people are obviously the economy. We were 
talking about earlier, you know, the things that people are going to go vote for next Tuesday are this high inflation. Um, yeah. At the gas station, at the grocery store, but just the whole general feeling of that our economy, and that's what the government and um, most liberals don't understand. It. These are well-oiled machines. The gears um, are intricately meshed, and we're just not used to stuff breaking. You know, you might break a tooth in a gear, but not the whole. You know, not the whole gear is coming off. You're not thinking we could run out of diesel. We could run out of food. That's just not in the American yeah. psyche. That's a third-world country thought. And then it gets down exactly. to the political leadership, both sides need to step it up and they need to be more honest with the American taxpayer about what they're doing with the money. Um, mm-hmm. And I just see that this is to me, the, the, the traditional Democrat voter who, to your point, is getting the free cheese, come back and vote um, David Webb said earlier, or late last week, he goes, you know, there was some ballot harvesting and they were giving you $10. And he was basically talking um, to African Americans. He's like, $10 for your vote. Is that, does yeah. that make any sense? Um, and I've always liked in peer groups and business, people talking about practical experience versus advice. Tim and I were talking about it earlier, you know. If you don't have practical experience, I don't want you to tell me your advice because that means you don't have any skin in the game. And so I'd like right. to talk today about practical experience of having to make the – I mean, these people are – in a lot of people are stuck in a bad way of I've always voted Democrat and now I have to – I'm going to either have to not vote or I'm going to have to check a scary area of the ballot. Well, they are, they're definitely siphoning votes uh, toward the Republican Party just because of their tone deafness about the economy and their adversarial focus on mutilating children, keep them, keeping them suppressed, opposing medical freedom. Uh, there, there's just so many things that are being seen. People who either aren't are strong Democrats or were strong Democrats or had no partisanship at all care about those things, obviously, because uh, as uh, a, a black candidate who was running for, who is running for Congress says, you know, there's no such thing as black gas. <laughs> <laughs> it's expensive for, you know, it's or Hispanic gas. It's expensive for you. It's expensive for me. It's expensive for everybody. We're being affected by all of these horrible policies, and now, thankfully, some of them are going to vote vote accordingly. <laughs> you know that if these people continue in this vein, we cannot vote for you. Whether they sit it out or whether they actively vote Republican is another story. I'm actually collecting on Twitter. I tend to spend a majority of my time on Twitter collecting, you know, testimonies or people posting saying. I voted Republican for the first time in my life, and here's why. Yeah, and again, that to me, that's the beauty of our system. You can affect change this November 2022. You can go back to your old ways in 2024. We just need to rattle the cage of this government system like we're tired. We're all tired. We're wore out. We know you're lying to us. 
We know you're mismanaging the money, and with that, you're mismanaging. I'm 57, you know. You're mismanaging my retirement, but what really chaps my ass is you're really mismanaging the future of my grandchildren. They will have a much tougher time pulling themselves up by their bootstraps because the system, like we talked last week, the gig economy, they want to wipe that out. They literally want you to have to commit to working for 3M or Target or the government and no independence. They want control of even your ability to uh, earn. And that's that's a scary thought. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, no one used to, as long as you paid your taxes, no one used to care what the heck you chose to do for a living, as long as it was legal and as long as you paid your taxes. But now, <laughs> it's not the case. Right, right. They're, 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 for, some, for some reason, they're afraid of that. They haven't told us why, but they're definitely afraid because they hire are going to hire eighty seven thousand um, more little IRS spies. agents. Yep. Yeah. On us and, and so ar- and armed IRS agents, which is kind of scary. <laughs> correct. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That, it is. It's really and people that say, "Well, I'm not doing anything wrong." It's like, well, they haven't told you what they're looking for yet. Exactly. You know, they may be looking for gas receipts and you've been keeping your food receipts or, I mean, they move the line, the boundary. It's, it's like we talked last week, what's paying your fair share. They move that low. I paid whatever the tax code said. You're saying I'm not paying my fair share. You know, it's that we're that we are the problem and they have the answer. That doesn't work. Exactly. Um. Any anything else? Anything else for voters that are contemplating the big jump? Um, vote candidates, or should I say, vote policy, and vote for people who are sincere about that policy, rather than voting a, a letter. And 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 that's a hard mentality for people who are used to voting party lines to get into because they have to do the work. They have to actually look at the candidate, look underneath the hood, you know, find, find some connections that are going to tell you exactly what this candidate stands for. Uh, I, I mean, the good news is that a lot of them, there's a lot of social media out there where they've said stupid stuff or tweeted stupid stuff. That real, I mean, like Fetterman, that whole Fetterman thing where um, he claimed that he didn't, he wasn't for fracking and, or he was for fracking and he supported fracking, which brings a lot of money into Pennsylvania. <laughs> and then they showed, they countered that saying, no, you said last year that you weren't for fracking and that you wanted to outlaw it and, and close, you know, any production down. So it's important for people to take the time to do their homework or feel free to ask a knowledgeable friend, you know, maybe a friend on the other side (laughs) of the aisle who's not, you know, not just a knee jerk, but who actually does this research and knows this stuff. I I have friends who are always asking me and calling me all the time. What do you think about this person? What, you know, (laughs) because they know that a, I'm politically in tune, 
but B, I also, I look at the candidates. I don't look, oh, he's a Republican, so he's good, or he's a Democrat. It's like, no. <laughs> what, what do they stand for? There's a lot of Republicans that don't stand for good things, or they stand for corporatism, or whatever they want to do. And there's a lot, you know, there's a choice, few Democrats out there who do stand for some decent things, but, you know, wholesale, the Democrat party has just gone over a cliff and they want to take everybody else with them. Right. Yeah. And they, and they want to do it through force. They don't want to do it exactly through a discussion. And again, not an argument, but just, you know, that's my thing of trying to explain because everyone's like, well, you just hate paying taxes. And I'm like, I do hate paying taxes. The part I hate most is being uncompensated mm-hmm. for collecting them for the government because they don't trust you, Citizen Joe, to pay yours. That's what they're yeah. that's what the system is set up as. You think they that they're using it's easier to cut one head off than to try to collect from five hundred. And when when you say that to people, they're like, What? It's like, yeah, why do you think the your employer collects your payroll taxes, and why do you think the store that you're buying your merchandise at collects the sales tax because they don't trust you to do it? Exactly, exactly. And they don't want to take the time to actually investigate and see what is bringing in the greatest revenue. Uh, Nevada has probably done that the most wisely, obviously they're a gambling town, but they've also learned, understand that we support what's bringing money into our coffers and we don't waste our time on stuff that's not. And sadly, a lot of states waste their time on stuff that's not the federal government, waste their time on things that aren't bringing in revenue, aren't feeding the coffers. Instead, they just want to bilk the taxpayer. Uh, Newsom is the po- Gavin Newsom of California is the poster child of this. Instead of looking at all the fraud and the, all the waste and all the things that he wastes money on with his progressive agenda, instead he gives us more gas taxes. He just did a progressive tax that's going to come into play after the November 8th election, where our taxes have been raised, a backdoor tax increase, and no one paid attention. Yeah, and 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 why doesn't the media do that? And we're going to no. take a break here. And if you can hang on, that'd be great. I've got sure. a couple more questions for you. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Jennifer Oliver O'Connell. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Reardon Report. I'm Hank Reardon, fulfillment journalist with Conk News. We're the fastest growing news aggregator on the web. That's conk.news. Tim Conaway running the big board today. And joining us from sunny California is Jennifer Oliver O'Connell. We're talking about the midterms next week. And I really want to segue Jennifer into just the the lack of um, just a poor job the media is doing. And I'm not saying they, they're going to flip a switch and start asking Democrats tough questions, but I keep hearing this. They're really, 
I mean, they're, the Democrats are out of gas, which we knew they were going to do because they can never pause and say, maybe we took enough turf for six months. But now they're trying to say that the gas companies are having absorbent profits, record profits, record profits, record profits, record profits. Now, these are people that never understood how you get profits. Mm-hmm. But not one of these lazy asshole journalists says, well, hold on here. If costs of goods are up at the grocery store, 40%, 50%, 60%, 70% in a lot of construction products, is the government not reaping through their sales and use tax exorbitant taxation profits? So how does, you know, again, senator or governor or candidate, how are you going to balance that? If the coffers are already full, what happens with inflation? Should the tax rate be some kind of CPI index or something on that? I mean, how do we get that balanced? Never is that brought up because they're going to have zero answer to that question. Right. Right. What what they what they're doing is they're gaslighting. Well, first they gaslight it that well, inflation. There's no such thing as inflation. What what do you mean we're in inflation? <laughs> then uh, they turn to these stories of well, yeah, there is inflation, but now they're doing stories of, you know basically how to live with the recession and love it. You know why the recession is good for this. <laughs> Why, you know, the fact that you're paying higher gas prices is, you know, actually good for the economy as opposed to bad for the economy. These are the headlines and the things that they are coming up with, as opposed to, as you say, informing people exactly what it is and what the government needs to do to combat it and what you need to do to combat it. They could be a resource. They could be a help. Instead, they are being complicit complicit in the government's government's you know, telling people, oh, you know, you're not, don't believe your lying eyes. <laughs> We're not doing anything or we can't do anything about it. Right. And Or blaming it on, or blaming it on Putin. M- mostly it's not even them saying they can't do anything about it. They're just blaming it on other people and other things. You right. know, the Trump administration two years ago. It's like, no, it's been two years and you did certain things to create this crisis. And obviously, you don't have any plans of doing anything about it, which is why, again, people are saying, I'm voting with my pocketbook. Right. I'm and, not voting with. Yeah, and Tim has years of experience editing articles, and I always like to get Tim's input on this. Why, you know, why are these reporters just not doing this? Why? Well, I cannot uh, stress it enough that uh, hold on just a second. I'm having some issues. Hold on a second. I just want to say that I think the modern uh, reporters are, you know, they're not very well trained. They're not very good. And uh, so uh, if they think, if they actually are putting two and two together, they're probably dangerous to the editorial board uh, because they will uh, – make connections at that level that uh, uh, hurt the advertiser's feelings. And, uh, you know, advertising pays the bills in uh, in publishing. It does. Uh, It does. In terms of, um, I don't remember his name, sadly. Uh, He's a, uh, I guess, moderately conservative journalist. 
I believe he was writing for USA Today. And he actually wrote a long letter about why he would not, why he wouldn't no longer be writing on USA Today. And that was part of it that, you know, between ad revenue, between these, these editors and editorial staff that are getting more and more woke and more and more about an agenda, he couldn't actually do journalism. He couldn't actually report on <laughs> what people really want to hear and see and what people really need to know. Yeah, and that's been... And then, and, and then you have the current crop or the, the crop coming out of journalism school, and they're just taught about social agendas. They're just taught about wokeness. They're just taught about, you know, they're not taught about being among people and reporting <laughs> what people want, understanding their audience. They're taught, you know, you're, you're here to report an agenda. You're here to get social justice for people. And that does a disservice to me to what journalism is. I'm not saying you can't be an opinion journalist. I'm not saying you can't have uh, people whose focus, I mean, I consider myself one whose focus is conservative leaning or liberal leaning. But in terms of reporting the actual facts and actual news, at least be honest in that, you know, give out the facts. And then if you're, your call to take a side, take a side. Right. Yeah. As an, a reporter, we were taught, and of course, I'm just talking 50 years ago, uh, that objectivity, which is, you know, kind of a hard word to define, but basically is you don't take sides, you gather the facts, then you present the facts. Uh, you, yeah. you don't, you don't mess with any of that kind of stuff. You don't color it. You don't, uh, ignore part of it. You just put it out there, and that uh, ability to be objective in the newsroom has been diminishing for the past 50 years, uh, mm-hmm. more, more and more and more to the point where they, don't, they really don't want somebody who's objective. They want somebody who will co the, toe the company line, which is the line that uh, doesn't step on toes of advertisers. And... Advertisers also are connected politically. So, I mean, it all works hand in hand. Uh, But yeah, and now today, instead of having uh, professors with a lot of experience in the field of journalism, they have uh, professors who've got a lot of experience in the world of academia and, uh, you know, teaching these kids the, the agenda instead of the objectivity. So it's really sad, but... I mean, there there are very few outlets where uh, somebody isn't taking a slant in presenting the facts, and that is that's the worst the worst of all kind of journalism. Well, there are no more in, or should I say, there are very few independent outlets because it, it requires money, it requires funding, it also requires freedom. Uh, you know, and if you are beholden to a corporate mantle you can't have that freedom. Uh, independent journalism is it, harder and harder to do because the majority of legacy media is owned by the same corporations, uh, the, the, the same entities that own ABC, NBC, and CBS also own most of these major, major papers. Uh, Bezos owns the Washington Times as well as Amazon. Uh, there's a, you know, LA Times is owned by a, Chinese billionaire. I mean, it's 
it's no longer these local shops that are going out into the community and getting the hard news and doing the beat. It's now these, these corporate conglomerates that have an agenda. And so they, they're, they, they're basically saying the same thing. A majority of stuff that goes out to supposedly local papers is stuff that gets pulled off of the AP wire or the Reuters wire. And it's just rehashing that. It, it's not any new reporting, any exclusive reporting. And that's what we're trying to do at Conk. We're trying to give people the outlet. Um, without, we don't, um, right, we're not corporately tied to anything. We don't have an ESG score. <laughs> we could care less about ESG scores. Um, mm-hmm. Our The advertisers we have come through us for through these ad agencies um we are, we are just trying to offer the conservative side of the um and again we're very clear on that we're, we're yeah. you know you want you need huffington post stuff go there you want conservative oh, stuff yeah. come here and um right you know, we're grinding away. We've been around for 28 months, something like that. Um, and we're trying to add us, our podcasts in with, you know, In the Dark and Conk Weekend so people understand who we are, who, who are the people yeah. at Conk working um, and what we're doing. Because it, I mean, I I can't imagine sitting in that White House press room and Peter Ducey asks, gets all the fame and fortune. I mean, every other mm-hmm. idiot's sitting on their hands. It's like, I mean, I'm thinking, I don't know. I just, I can't, it's like, okay. Well, what sports team, you know, what sporting event does that happen? Um, I don't, it just, it blows me away. Yeah, well, those those guys that are sitting on their hands, they're editors and uh, the Newspaper owners or the uh, television station, or television network owners, are very happy that they're sitting on their hands. They don't. Yeah, but, they don't want them to do what Peter Ducey's doing. They're, no, they, they they want to again. They're they're about following the party line uh, or asking ridiculous softball questions like what flavor of ice cream you're going to eat this afternoon after your lunch. I mean, <laughs> right. When, you know, this is the leader of the free world, we should be asking him hard questions. But Yeah, and, and again, you don't have to be mean. That ice cream. Yeah, right? you don't. You just, I and, just and, need and, clarity. And no one is. They're, they're all very professional, you know, respectful of him. Yes. Yeah, and professional. Yeah. I mean, it reminds it, it, me it, of the... It definitely doesn't require it. The movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You know, he either get the pink Cadillac or the effing steak knives. You know, there's the, you know, Deuce yeah. gets the pink Cadillac every day, yeah. you know, and Jim Acosta gets the dull steak knives because <laughs> he's Jim Acosta was handed the, the, you know, the dead list of people that they're trying to call to sell them empty lots at the Glen Gary, Glen Ross resort. I mean, it, to me, that's, and is that just because we're in the real world and we see that, and they're in their bubble? Is that what they, it's coming down to? In their, it's it's what it's come down to is that that they're in a bubble. And again, it's 
it's about driving a certain agenda, and this is the only agenda we want the American people to see. Or, the, you know, or we don't want them to see anything. We don't want them to question anything. I mean, the incompetence of the press secretary, she, she's not sharp. She's not on point. She has to literally read off of a crib sheet for everything. <laughs> and this is that doesn't help the state of journalism either, because, you know, if you can't answer hard questions, then why are you in that position? Or if you can't adequately represent the administration that you're a part of, then again, why are you in that position? So that also doesn't build confidence or help the role of journalism. And what it really does, and we see this in business all the time, is when there's an actual crisis, no one's prepared. And that's, I think, what my gut keeps telling me is if there is something, and I'm not talking about some kind of nuclear bomb. I'm talking about a uh, a pandemic. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. or or an earthquake right. of magnitude eight point something on the west coast, and mm-hmm. now things are starting a, to a, cascade. A real crisis. Yes, yeah. And I, I, Mumbles I mean, comes I mean, out you... with the with the cards. Um, uh, eight point earthquake. No power. Hold on. We'll be back. We didn't prep for, you know, I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. You you look at, you know, America's governor, Ron DeSantis, and how he not only handled pandemic response, but how he handled this recent natural disaster, Hurricane Ian. It's like leadership is from his comms team to the people in the community. Everybody is happy about the way, or should say everybody, but a majority of Floridians, as well as the people around him, are happy about the way things were handled. And, you know, the evidence shows in the fact that infrastructure and power and things got back to working. They're rebuilding. (laughs) And then you look at the way other states, my state of California, handled things, the way they handle disasters. There, There are people who from the Paradise Fire, which I believe happened in 2018, where an entire community was destroyed. Those people still haven't gotten any payouts for their homes, for their burned down homes. In fact, Newsom meddled in the the payout. He he used his influence with PG&E to meddle with that. So, as you said, it, it reflects in when a true emergency happens, leadership matters and the focus matters and people being informed and knowing what's going on matters. And a lot of people don't know that outside inside of California, they don't know that there are people wildfire suffers thanks to his poor policies that still haven't gotten payouts for their homes. And the complicit yeah. their lives. And the complicit media that isn't bringing that story back to the surface like, hey, this could be you. Right. You know, exactly. That, that's, exactly. that's the, that's why we all lose when the media is sitting on their hands and they're all, they're doing it yeah. for the dollar and the dollar never pays right. It, it's, it, there's always danger in living for the dollar. So. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we all get paid for our services. We should get paid for our services, 
but there used to be a focus on people need to be informed, people need to be inspired, people need to be activated toward the good of the country, the good of our fellow man. And that's just not happening anywhere. It's not happening in a lot of places in journalism today. Yes. All right. That's a wrap for the Reardon Report. Jennifer, I can't thank you enough for coming on again. It's really a pleasure to uh, talk about daily life with you. Um, thank so you so I want to thank you again uh, we, for Jennifer Oliver O'Connell joining us today on the Reardon Report. I want to thank Tim Conaway. We're trying some Bluetooth technology and the the teeth are working. You yeah. Know, the thing stayed connected. Yeah, it's, uh, they used to tell us they're supposed to be sparkly white, but uh, <laughs> the blue ones work too. And Jennifer's uh, website, we haven't mentioned Oh, that. yeah, sorry. Jennifer's website is asthegirlturns.com. Check She's that out. a multi-talented entrepreneur. Um, if you want, if you got entrepreneurial dreams, check out Jennifer's website. That's how it goes. You bounce in one thing, you bounce to another thing, and you're always a transitioner. Always ready. Yep. All right. The way to make it work. That's exactly <laughs> it. Amen. Have a great week. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, and we'll uh, we'll see what uh, the battlefield looks like in a few weeks. Most definitely. You guys have a great week. And take talk care. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Hank Reardon here wrapping up the Reardon Report for Wednesday, November 2nd.